Hello and welcome to the tech podcast from Huawei. In part three of our Goodwood Future Labs exhibition mini-series, showcasing some of the most innovative tech going on in the world right now, join me as we see how tech is helping us to explore. Exploration and innovation go hand in hand, from our very first wheels that allowed us to move faster and easier, to the sat-navs in our cars that help us navigate our way around a new place. In today's episode, we're looking at how tech innovations are being used right now by companies that are on a mission to take exploration further and deeper than ever before. We start in space, the final frontier, a place humans have been obsessed with since before we even knew what stars were. I spoke to Alistair Wyman, a systems engineer at Airbus, who's been working on the Sample Fetch rover, a robot who has a first-class ticket up to Mars. What we've got here is one of the test models of our Sample Fetch rover. It's a, a six-wheeled uh, vehicle that's got a, a one and a half meter long robotic arm on the front. Um, it's got uh, a, a two meter high mast that has cameras on the top of it so that it can see the, the, the scene in front of it. And it's got some solar arrays on the top of it as well so that it can, it can power itself. All in all, it's about probably two meters long and about two meters wide as well. Brilliant, it looks like it's doing uh, an amazing kind of demo right now. Could you tell us a little bit more about the mission for the Sample Fetch rover? It's going to bring back samples that have been left on the surface by the American Perseverance rover, bring them back to a uh, rocket so that then they can be sent back to Earth for analysis in um, Earth-based labs with the hope of finding evidence that Mars could or potentially did once support life in its ancient history. That is so interesting. And what kind of features does it have that enables it to kind of identify which samples are the right ones to pick up on Mars? One of the biggest challenges that, that it has um, being on Mars is that we can't kind of control it with a joystick because Mars is so far away that the lag, the delay it would just make that infeasible. So what we have to do is have a lot of autonomous systems on board the rover so that then it can um, identify the terrain in front of it, check which parts are hazardous and which parts are um, safe for it to drive through and then plan its path towards the tubes autonomously without much human involvement at all. Once it then reaches these sample tubes, it then uh, does a similar thing where it autonomously identifies those samples lying on the surface, um, grabs them with the robotic arm that's mounted on the front and then stores them uh, on board. Amazing. And how long does it take to develop a kit like this and how has the sample evolved over time? We started development of this in 2017, I think it was, um, and the launch is going to be in 2026. So it's at least kind of, it's the thick end of a decade in terms of development of a, of a system that's as, as complex as, as this. Um, so what does the mission look like in 2026? We launch on board an American uh, lander in 2026. We'll land on Mars in something like 2029. And then the samples will finally be back on Earth um, in the very early 2030s. That's actually ama amazing to hear. So what is your dream scenario for that 2030 or beyond? My dream scenario is that we get the samples back on Earth 
and that we're able to generate really interesting science from them, new discoveries um, for, for decades to come. That's something that they've been able to do with the Apollo missions. They're still doing science on samples that were brought back by the Apollo missions in the 70s now. Um, and hopefully with, with sample fetch rover and Mars sample return in general, we can have a legacy like that as well. And in, and in many more years to come, do you think this will be the norm for the future of kind of space exploration um, and uh, engineering design? Yeah, I think uh, more autonomous vehicles like this is very much going to be the future of, of um, planetary exploration, supported by um, humans when they do go to Mars, but there's always going to be a, a need for these kind of autonomous vehicles, be they uh, rovers, helicopters, anything like that. Okay, so what kind of samples will the sample fetch rover be picking up when it's on Mars? The samples are going to be um, little pen-like tubes that are left on the surface and inside each of those is going to be a rock core that's um, been acquired by the Perseverance rover and, and stored in there. So then we'll, we'll have a piece of pristine Martian surface material that we'll be able to analyse in each of these. So at the end of its exploration, um, when it sent all of the samples back to Earth, what happens to the rover? The rover itself will stay on Mars. It'll have completed its, its mission of bringing those samples back, but it's still a really valuable asset that will be on Mars. So I don't think it'll just be left doing nothing. I'm sure scientists and engineers will, will put it to very good use testing new technologies and, and new software um, that, that can help advance exploration forward in the future. You do a lot of work here with the ESA. What kind of things can we expect to see in the future? One of the big things that they're working on is in partnership with NASA and other space agencies around the world, um, sending humans to have a permanent presence on the moon like they do on the International Space Station at the minute. Um, and one of the big things on that is providing um, the logistics and the support um, required for that. And, and the kind of technologies that we're developing here, they will, they will certainly be able to support that. And then following on from that, looking even further into future, the future, um, extending that human presence beyond the moon to Mars as well. From the furthest reaches, the deepest trenches now. Space might be the final frontier, but how well do we know our own planet? Lisa Hines is the head of communications at Necton, who are looking to explore and conserve our oceans right here on planet Earth. Well, space is obviously fantastic and I would never want to kind of say we shouldn't be looking to space because it's really cool. I'm head of communications at Necton and we are an ocean conservation charity based in Oxford. And we're here today talking about the work that we've done exploring the Indian Ocean. Um, we've, uh, we work, we've done a few, an expedition in the Seychelles where we take these submersibles down into the Indian Ocean and gather data and broadcast to the world the importance of the ocean and we work very closely with scientists from our host nations. So that's a very key part of what we do is that we, um, work, we, we work with all the data we gather belongs to our host nations. We develop our missions with our host nations and, and we work very closely with scientists from those nations. So we don't sort of parachute in do the work and then head, head back home without where we're working benefiting. We also do a lot of communications work to broadcast the importance of the ocean. 
it's really, really important. It affects our climate. It's, it, the, the ocean produces every second breath that we take comes from oxygen produced by the ocean. It's that it absorbs most of the carbon in our planet. We really, really need to protect our, our ocean more. There's always been a bit of a kind of PR problem with the ocean in a way that space, we can see the stars. We can kind of imagine what's up there and it has this great appeal and and the problem with the ocean is we sort of forget it's there particularly if we lived in land in landlocked places that like a lot of us do and it feels irrelevant and it's so not irrelevant so we really do need to be doing an awful lot more every single it affects everything is connected it affects every single one of us on this planet it does you mentioned 70 percent of our planet is the ocean so what is um the single biggest challenge in the ocean today I really hate that question because <laughs> there's just so many. Um, I mean, you know, there are lots and lots of problems. I mean, I would say, I don't know if lots of people watch the Netflix documentary Seaspiracy, which was obviously incredibly controversial. And there were, you know, good things about it and bad things about it. But it did highlight the problem of overfishing. And that is a massive, massive problem. Trawler fish, trawler boats kind of just destroying the surface of the seabed, crashing its way through coral reefs and, import and um, important ecosystems. So obviously overfishing is one of the problems, but I'm not saying don't eat fish. There are very good ways that one can eat fish. Um, then there's problems, obviously, with plastic pollution. Um, there is acidification. There's, I mean, there are so many problems, it's really hard to know which one to pick. And also, it's just very, very, very unknown. So it's really important that we go and do more research to find out what's there, because we can't protect what we don't know. And we're finding out more every day. Exactly. And with all of those challenges happening right now, how is technology innovation helping you to discover more about our ocean? Well, so at Necton, we, we do um, expeditions in these very cool submersibles, these kind of spherical, these kind of glass dome spheres. And we go under the ocean and we can actually kind of see what's there, which is a really great way of doing ocean exploration because you can actually see and transport people. And actually from a communications point of view as well, you can share those images and bring people into the ocean. But there are all sorts of other amazing things happening. There are kind of automated underwater vehicles that, are, that, that you can set off and they go very deep and they can go for a very long time and they can gather water samples, they can gather fantastic imaging. And they're, you know, relatively cheap compared to going down in a submersible. There's very, very exciting technology happening with nano poor technology where one can sequence the DNA of anything under the water in, in real time. There's amazing little devices that you can kind of sequence. So you can take water samples and from that you can work out who has been, you know, what, what creatures have been there, how interrelated they are, where they've travelled from. The, you know, the bio, all the biodiversity of the ocean can be worked out very quickly. So that's that's gonna, that's a real game changer. We also need to map the sea floor. We've got better maps of Mars than we have of our ocean bed. So until we can map, and there's amazing things happening right now with kind of new technologies enabling us to map the seabed floor, and from that we can do we can work out what bits need to be conserved and, and create marine protected areas in the right areas. Exactly. And with that, can you tell us a little bit more about ocean live broadcasting and how that's changing the jobs of ocean explorers and conservation experts today? Necton was established by scientists and by journalists. So we've always been very, the storytelling part of the ocean has always been a huge part of what we do. So we feel very passionately that if you need to make people care about the ocean, we need to show people that the ocean sort of seeps into all of our 
lives and is relevant to all of us. Okay, so seeing really is believing. So why is this new technology important and how is it impacting your mission? So we feel very strongly that you can't, you need, you need to engage people with the ocean. So Nexon was set up by both journalists and scientists coming together to work out how we can make a difference. Now obviously through our science we can make a difference, but also we need to make people really care about the ocean. So by putting people in submersibles down deep in the sea, you're seeing them down there, it really is bringing the ocean to people. So we work very closely with Inmarsat, with Sonodyne, with lots of lots of very clever brains as well as major broadcasters like Sky and Associated Press to come together and develop this technology which enabled news broadcasts to happen and documentary series to happen from deep under the water. So, And we were lucky enough to have quite visionary partners like Sky who gave nine hours of live broadcasts from under the ocean. They gave us all this airtime. And through that, so we, I mean, we did things like we put the um, Prime Minister, the, of, the President of Seychelles, in a submersible and he did a live broadcast address that was broadcast in 160 countries to all the other leaders of the world to conserve the ocean. Things like that really, so you can do so much with science but actually if you can also get the story and find a way of getting that story out there, you're going to have a very big impact. So that was a huge part of our DNA at Necton which was make people care and how do you make people care? Well if you can broadcast from under the water, you're bringing the ocean into people's living rooms. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So with this wealth of new data and knowledge that you've found from the seabed and, and sea exploration, what's your dream for the next few years? Well, I think like anybody who works in this space, if we could get 30% of the ocean protected by 2030, that would be fantastic. And that's in line with, with you know, the UN Ocean Decade. And, and, you know, that really would make a huge difference. But there's a long way to go. There certainly is. But we should definitely start working on that today. Like you said, um, there's a lot more that we can learn about this and we know you have your own podcast. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and where we can listen? So we make a podcast called Catch Our Drift. Um, it's, it's run by Nexon. It's presented by our, our mission director, Oliver Steeds, and a brilliant marine biologist and writer called Helen Scales. And it's all about how the ocean seeps into all of our lives. So we talk to one episode's on sport, one's on food, one's on literature, one's on fashion, and we talk to people like Nico Rosberg, the former Formula One world champion, about what sport should be doing to make people care more about the ocean. We talk to the winner of the Costa Book Award, Monique Roffey, this year, who wrote an amazing book about mermaids and is a great ocean activist. Uh, we talk to people who run the f world's first sustainable sushi restaurant and they only serve invasive species. We talk to a wonderful Irish writer who wanders around the world, wanders around Ireland, talking to people about the Gaelic language and the words that have been lost that teach you about the history of the ocean. So what we're trying to do is make people really engage from all sorts of spheres, all spheres of society with the importance of the ocean and how it does affect all of us. So Lisa, you mentioned a lot of the work you do is impossible without your partners. So how important are university relationships to that? Well, we have, I think we have over 50 partners. So our partnership, we are a partnership with Oxford University and our scientists are from Oxford University and that's hugely important to us. Uh, we also have science partners, technology partners and other NGOs, civil society. Um, and we also do a lot of work with younger children. So we have a, a sub, sub STEM uh, has been developed by one of our partners in Counter EDU and they have we, they, we do live lessons into schools anyone from around the world can link into our scientists on board ask them questions talk to scientists and sub pilots and broadcasters on board and there's also a whole curriculum of su submarine STEM that we have distributed around the world to many schools as well so education is a hugely important we need to get everybody thinking about STEM subjects and doing you know they're the next generation that are going to save the planet aren't they 
So, from the dark sky to the deep blue, exploration is essential if we want to know more about our planet and the life beyond it. And it's only through technology that we're going to get there. So if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the Tech Podcast to be the first to know when a new episode is out. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. Hold up. 